Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And here at FCBC, how do we say it, family? We live, we love, we serve. Amen? Real quick, remain standing just for a second. One, I want to acknowledge a friend of mine today, Reverend Dr. Sedgwick Easley. He's the pastor of the Union Baptist Church in Strong Island, Hempstead. New York, we take hand down. That's my neck of the woods where I grew up. So glad to have you here today with your family as well. And then today is the first Sunday of our new pastor on staff. So I want you to give a rousing welcome. Come on up here, Pastor Joel. Listen, this is Pastor Joel Detruge. Um, he's here with his family today, and we're grateful. His wife, his daughter. And who's that? Your mother. Oh, gosh. Yeah, mom. So we are so grateful for him. He began this week, but this is his first official Sunday. He is the pastor of community engagement and church life. You will see a lot of him. I'm going to say it again. This Pastor Joel, after service today, some of you got brunch appointments. Make sure you come down after service and, and come and meet Pastor Joel. He is going to do an amazing job. He's a phenomenal brother. I'm so grateful for him and grateful for the gifts that he will bring to FCBC. It will truly be a blessing. Hey, amen. Come on, let's thank God. Good. Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. I want to read. Now, I always say this, but this really is one of my favorite stories. <laughs> Mark 5, verses 18 through 20. Here's how it reads in the New Revised Standard Version. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. Amen? Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you, oh God. We thank you. For today, oh God, like every day we awaken is a blessing. We do not take this life, this body, this breathing, this heart, these lungs for granted. We are here, oh God, because, well, your grace is still sufficient. Your mercy still endures. 
and your love still covers us. Now, O oh God, in these moments that are ours to share, remind us that we ought to lean into the spaces that feed us. Lean into the places that have a way of empowering us and enabling us and activating us, oh God, in ways where we begin to internalize not the negativity, but all the beauty of who we are. For we were made in your image, oh God, and that's reason enough to rejoice. God, thank you for never letting us go. Thank you. Thank you, God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me read this again. <clears throat> Mark 5, 18 through 20. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Amen. Listen, I got two titles today because I don't know which one to pick. So, so no, do me a favor. Turn to the neighbor and tell him, neighbor, this ends today. Now turn to the other neighbor. Tell him, neighbor, I got something to tell you. <laughs> Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. The people in Gadira did everything they thought possible to help him. There were people maybe in the village who knew him before the demons got him and simply wanted him to recapture who he used to be. They wanted to help him. I imagine that people who may have loved him for a long time couldn't handle seeing him in the state he was in. He was a distorted and broken shell of his former self. And the pain that must have been felt by those who knew him and again wanted him to reclaim his identity must have been excruciating. For a while, I'm sure they had empathy. For a while, I'm sure they felt sorry for him. For a while, I'm sure they wanted to help him. But sometimes when the things we see that seem problematic are also problematic and prolonged, we lose patience. Because it's one thing when I see that what you're experiencing is problematic and my heart goes out to you. But what I've discovered in my life, there's some people whose empathy has an expiration point. So that when they feel you should be past this or over this, their empathy for you begins to fade. And it's amazing how easily you can slip from being someone that people feel sorry for to someone that people can't stand any longer. It can happen very subtly when you think about it. 
I know when this man's possession, when these things got hold of him and he began to ravage and tear himself and, and began to yell and howl among the dead people in the tombs. There were people who did feel sorry for him, but the howling didn't stop. And his seemingly insane behavior, irrational behavior, didn't stop. And it went from feeling sorry for him, if you read the story, to then they felt that maybe if we got chains to bind him, if we seek to somehow contain him and manage him, maybe he'll be better. And so the record says, Pastor, that they kept trying to bind him with chains on his hands and chains around his feet to control and subdue him. But every time they tried to bind him, this man who was singular, who's now possessed by many, kept breaking the chains, not in a good way. He kept breaking the bindings every time they tried to restrain him. It did not work. And so they gave up on him, believing that nothing could fix him. And the good thing about it in their minds, I imagine, was that at least he's not coming close to us. He's relegating himself to the dead spaces and places of our village in the tombs. And yes, they could hear him howling. And yes, they could hear and see him destroy himself. The record says he would take stones and mutilate himself, cut himself. He, he would sit and look disheveled, hair matted. You could see the dried up rivulets of blood along his arms and his body where he tried to, to almost tear away his flesh. But, but as long as they didn't have to see him. As long as he was marginalized and relegated to an area, it was that old adage, which you don't see, you don't really worry about. Yeah. And so they went, I am imagine, from caring and concern to then almost wanting to hold him captive to then not really being concerned as much. And as long as he stayed in a place where we were accustomed to him being and familiar with him being, we were fine with him not being who he used to be. Sometimes it feels like a short distance that people take to go from caring to no concern. And they, they, they show and exhibit it at first, but then it is gone. And, and so here he is, a nuisance to people who used to love him, a problem for others who used to care for him. But most importantly, marginalized and relegated to dead spaces and places because some of those same people had given up on him. You see, you may not understand the level of occupation he felt by the demons, but maybe, maybe there are a handful of us in here today knows what it feels like when people we believe care for us then give up on us. Because it's one thing to have to fight through the things you're suffering and dealing with. It's another thing to fight through those things and then have to try to recapture people's love that has seemingly left. He was there. A wreck of a man, broken, distorted, bruised, battered, and worst of all, alone. Nobody there. One day in the midst of his howling and his self-mutilation and his pain, he looks upon horizon and he can see the storm that is off the shore of Godiva. And then... As he looks upon the shore that is off the shore of Gadara, he sees a vessel cutting through the storm. 
as he sees the storm brewing off the shores of Gadara, it went from being a hellacious storm, Alicia, to then the storm ceasing and gave him even clarity of sight. When that vessel approaches the shore on the edge of Gadira, those who are on the boat get off of the boat. This man, who was a hell of a man, a storm of a man, did not understand what those in the boat had gone through. I remember years ago having to tell some folk that these men went through a storm to get to a storm. It really, and I don't want to belabor this, but it really tells me something about sometimes the things God will go through to get to you. In those seasons and in those moments when you feel like you are unreachable. When God finds a way to get to you, and especially when people have left you and abandoned you and isolated you, it's amazing that their treatment doesn't determine God's treatment. Somebody's glad about that today. When the people get off the boat, there's something within him. Some say it was the man, some say it was the demons, whatever it was, runs to the one who got off, Jesus. And then the demons begin to speak, and they then plead God, by God, we beg you. Can you imagine demons so intimidated and fearful of the prospect of, of, of really being no more that they would then plead to God to help them against the one who could vanquish them? We, by God, we adjure you, please leave us alone. Jesus pays these demons who are in the man no mind, no mind at all. And then he begins a conversation with the man who the other people have abandoned. Pause again. Sometimes, sometimes when we're going through those moments when we do not feel like we are ourselves, Serena, all we need is somebody to talk to us. You never know what just showing up and asking somebody how they're doing can do. Jesus shows up on the shore and he comes to the man who is now clearly not himself. He looks broken. He seems disheveled. He appears to be completely a mess. And then Jesus does this thing that had not been done for a long time. He asked the man, he said, what is your name? What is your name? I love that moment. A simple question. What is your name? Now, here's a deep thing, because when the response comes, and I'm going to deal with this in two parts. When the response comes, the man says, my name is Legion, for we are many. He begins to name that. Now, here's a deep thing. The man never gives his name. He gives his issue. My name is Legion. Legion is not his name. A legion of Roman soldiers was thought to be between 4,000 and 6,000 soldiers. He's basically saying there are a lot of people in me right now, and I don't know how to get back to who I am. He, he, he begins to name his issue, not his identity. Oh, gosh, wait a minute. You mean that my identity and my issue are not synonymous? Exactly. That You can't get to a place where you believe that some how you are synonymous with the things you go through. You are not. You can't begin to think that you are one and the same with the things that hold you captive and keep you bound. That this may be a moment you're going through, but it is not the entirety of your life. That this may be a season of what I'm dealing with, but it is not the sum total of who I am. And watch this. Just because you can see my issue don't mean you know me. Just because you know what I'm going through.
through doesn't mean that you know me. Just because you can see my struggle, see my hurt, see my pain doesn't mean you can see me. My God. Don't ever reduce somebody to the things you know about them when you have no idea who they are. Don't ever look at somebody and think because you can analyze their predicament, you can analyze their identity. It ain't the same thing. And here you go on the other side with the issue. Do not internalize the things you go through because at some point somebody may show up who really wants to get to know you and all you can do is talk about your issue. What is your name? My name is. Oh, I love that part. My name is. You ever had a reprieve from your issues, a temporary break from your stuff, where you get that moment of sanity again and just as quick as it came, it went. You ever been there where you feel good for a moment and then it disappears? I think he was going through that moment, Pastor Joe. He said, my name is, my name is. He was, my name is, my name is. That's singular, my name is. But then watch this, something shifts. He started the sentence, but the demons finished it. My name is, watch this, Legion for we. You missed that. You missed that. My name is singular, legion for we. It went from singular to plural. He started the sentence, but the things that had him finished the sentence. Oh, my God. You ever say things out your mouth and didn't understand what you were saying because they were a reflection of things you thought had you bound? You had that moment of reprieve where you could identify who you were, but all of a sudden, the issues took over. He wanted to say who he was. He wanted to declare who he was, but the demons had him so much that he couldn't even speak boldly who he was, my name is, pause, the demons speak, legion for we are many. Oh, my God. And Jesus, of course, has this conversation with the demons at that point. They beg him. Now, let me pause back up again. I love this because Jesus has a conversation with the things that have him before he has a conversation with him. You could miss this in the story. Oh, my God. It is like what he was dealing with was so critical that Jesus knew in order to get to him, I got to deal with them yeah. first. Oh, gosh, I didn't get that part. That, that, that I have to deal with the things that are holding him bound before I can get to him. If I try to get to him without dealing with them, then they will always have a force in him. Oh, gosh. If I deal with him without looking at them, I will not really be seeing who he is. I'll only be really thinking about the illusion fabricated by the demons so that they never are outed in the moment. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's a whole other issue. You mean that sometimes the things that have you have a way of, of hiding in you? Oh, no. You missed that. See, people actually think they're seeing you. They don't know that you've learned how to mask your demons. Oh, gosh. You know, I learned there are some people who are great at pretending. So much so that you then become in shock when you hear truth about them. Oh, my God. Well, the problem was you never saw them because they were able to cover the things that had them. Oh, gosh. Jesus tells the demons come out. And the demons then start negotiating. But here's something that happens before the negotiation. It's in the story. Read it. It says that the man begged Jesus not to cast them out the country. Wait a minute. Hold on. That's odd. You would think that the man who was possessed would want to get rid of these things. But watch this. When 
it appears that Jesus is about to get rid of them, he becomes their advocate. You're missing that. When you get to a point in your bondage where you start defending those who keep you bound. Oh, no, you missed that. You, you start advocating for the things that are tormenting you. You start making excuses for the things that are killing you. Well, you can't even up. Here's the problem. Because as bad as it is, you can't imagine living life issueless. You missed that. Oh, gosh, you missed that. You can. Hold on. Let me. Okay. That ain't hit. That ain't hit right. That ain't hit right. Let me try again. You have. You have become so one with the thing tormenting you that then a subconscious fear enters. And you can't imagine living life without them. So instead of being free, you fight against deliverance because freedom is uncomfortable. Oh, no. So you would rather suffer because at least you know your demons. Okay, let me push it again. You have become so comfortable with the things tormenting and killing you that you've learned how to live with them. The truth is you're not really living, you're tolerating them. Because there's a difference between living and living in tolerance. That means you've accepted, but, there's, that there's, but so far you'll go, so high you'll get. So much you'll do because you learn to tolerate the things that are killing you. What happens to the human soul and psyche when you condition yourself for emotional and psychological torture? When you condition yourself and feel at ease in those spaces? Well, no, you, okay, some of y'all didn't get it. At first, the toxicity was too much. Now you've become toxic. And the thing you can't stand is a thing you become. And this is what happens when you hold on to the things that are killing you too long. And you begin to advocate and make excuses. No! you got to get to a point where you say, this ends today. That I will not go forward one more step. Carrying things that do not belong to me. Carrying people who've been weighing me down. Moving in spaces that tried to destroy me. Being comfortable around folk who don't like me. Letting people think I'm okay with how they treat me. No. Tell somebody this ends today. Today is my declaration of independence. I will not allow myself to be held captive by those things that are trying to destroy me. I will no longer advocate for them. I will no longer make excuses for them. I will let them go because I cannot live on the margins of insanity any longer. I am going to let them go. Why? Because this ends Today, look at somebody and tell them this ends today. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I cried last night about this issue the last time. This ends today. I'm going to move into this new season, and I'm going to move into this new day. It might be terrifying. It might be a little scary. But can I tell you something? I'm free. Oh, God. I'd rather move into an unfamiliar freedom than stay in a familiar bondage. I hope somebody got that. I'd rather move into an unfamiliar liberation than stay in a place that's trying to kill me every day and try to make sense of the chaos and insanity that may be destroying my mind. No, this ends today. And here the thing is, it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel awkward. But welcome the discomfort, especially if it means your breakthrough. If this is what I got to go through to get to a place of freedom, so be it. If I got to sweat a little bit more, so be it. If I got to struggle a little bit more, so be it. If I got to work a little harder, so be it. Because ain't no price tag on my sanity. There ain't no price tag on my life. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get my mind back because I'm tired of how I've been living. Here, here. Here's the part I like, and I'm going to be quick. Oh, gosh, we got to go. Listen. Listen, listen, here it is. Jesus comes. Now, the man advocated, one. Then the demons start speaking up. Listen, listen, bro. We know. You, you, you about to get rid of us. But, but listen here. Put us in the pigs and we'd be good. In the deep. Now the demons are begging for a painless departure. And Jesus is like, okay. He put, and this is something I like to say. He, he cast the demons in to the to the pigs, and the pigs ran down the cliff, jumped in the sea, and drowned. It's deep. I don't have time for this part because it's a little bit more complicated, but you know, the deep thing is that it's a scene that doesn't really make sense because pigs actually know how to swim. Because it it doesn't make sense that they jump in the water and drown, but they know how to swim. But maybe this is a metaphorical moment, at least. Maybe, 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 maybe what we need to see here is that the things that were in him couldn't kill him, but as soon as it got in something else, it destroyed that. You missed that. Can I tell you? Can I get churchy for a second? Okay. There are some things that should have killed you a long time ago. There are some things that should have destroyed you a long time ago, but it did not work. It could not work. That's why you still here, still standing, and you're now living and thriving because the things that were designed to kill you did not work. You ever went back? To, hold on, pause. You ever went back to the architects of your demise and let them know it didn't work? Every now and again, you got to go let some folks know your tactics, your strategy, what you tried to do to kill me, it did not work. That's why when I see you, I give God the highest praise. You start thinking I'm worried about you. No, I'm shouting to God because God delivered me in that moment. Look at somebody tell me it did not work. It could not work because you are still here and your presence is a testimony that the 
the plans devised for your demise did not work. See, some people think I'm just talking, but unless you've been that person that people have tried to work against, who people have tried to destroy, if people have tried to undermine, unless you're that person, you may not understand what I'm talking about. But I know there's a handful of y'all in here who today who can testify that I've been that person where people intentionally tried to stop me, intentionally tried to hinder me, intentionally tried to destroy me, but I'm still here. Why? Because it did not work. Look at him again. It did not work. It did not work. Yeah, here it is, here it is. So now, I'm done. I'm done. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. But um, here's what it says. Here's what it says. Now, oh, gosh. Can I give me five more minutes? Look here. Watch it. Watch this. He was not in the Jewish region. He was in the Decapolis, which was the Gentile region, which means that's why there were pigs present. Jewish people did not deal with pigs, so we know now this is not a Jewish territory. So the pigs are there. Now, watch this. The text doesn't say this. Somebody lost about 2,000 pigs that day. Now watch this. Them pigs are gone. That means somebody's or some people's source of income, gone. But when the people come and see the dead pigs, they don't get mad over that. Watch this. It says this. You know when they got mad? Read the story. You know when they got confused? It says when they saw the man, watch this language, clothed and in his right mind. Wait. That, you mean you ain't had a problem with losing money, but you got a problem with me finding myself. Oh, God. There, there, there it is. You, you, you like it when I was lost and confused. You like it when I wasn't myself. But as soon as I got my mind right, you had a problem. Why? Because you knew I could see you fully now. And I could appropriate you now. Okay, I'm, this is for real, for real. I'm gone now. I'm gone now. Here, watch. The people are angry. The pigs are dead. The man is all right. And the folk can't handle the man is all right, but don't mind the pigs dying. And then the man, and here's what it is. The man says to Jesus, can you imagine? Can you imagine him for a second? I know. Just give me some time. Can you imagine him? You went from being marginalized, talked about, and not yourself, to in a matter of moments, finding yourself again. Have you ever had that moment of clarity when all of a sudden you ran into you? And then you look back at who you were and you say, what in the hell was wrong with me in that season? Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. But you ever had that moment? You said, what was I thinking? What was I doing? He saw himself and felt good. He did the next logical thing. He said, look here, Jesus, I ain't never felt like this. I don't know the last time I felt this good. I don't know the last time I saw myself. Because the thing was, between the demons leaving and the people arriving, he had already put himself together. Because last time he had no clothes, but now I said he was clothed. Can you imagine what that looked like? He started putting clothes on, fixing himself up. 
washing himself off, getting clean again. And now in his right mind, clothed and okay, he's a problem. But here's what he says. Jesus, listen, I want to come with you wherever you go. That's verse 18. There it is. And Jesus getting in the boat, the man said, wherever you go, I want to I be there. Man, I want to feel this all the time. And Jesus wasn't even excited. He said, no, 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 no. Can't go. Why? I got an assignment for you. Hold on. You mean you're not even going to let me soak up all this goodness right now? I mean, I'm a whole new person. You're not even going to let me fully enjoy this? Yes. But go, watch this, go tell somebody. Look at somebody and tell them, I got something to tell you today. Oh, yes. Go tell somebody. Yeah, what the Lord has done for you. It said, go throughout the Decapolis. That's 10 cities. He said, go to 10 cities and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. If you're here today, you can identify with the man in this story. That's one thing. If you know what it is to be isolated, marginalized, that's one thing. If you know what it is to be out of your mind and then find yourself again, that's one thing. But can I tell you one more thing? You got an assignment today. Go tell somebody. Hey, what the Lord has done. Is there anybody in here today who's got something to tell somebody? Because some folk need to know, I wasn't always in church like this. I wasn't always singing God praises like this. But if it had not been for the Lord on my side, then I don't know where I would be. Oh, my God, tell somebody what the Lord has done for you. That means that you are a living testimony. That you will never be ashamed of the path you've taken to find yourself again. Tell somebody what the Lord has done for you. You got a story to tell, beloved. If God has done anything, you've got a story to tell. And don't let anybody rob you of the opportunity to tell your story. You get up to tell your story. Somebody's going to say, well, here she go again. And then you got to be like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's me again. It's me again. And, 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 and if you understood what I went through, to get back here, to get to myself, you would understand why I got to tell it all the time. It was a song we used to sing in church. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. They're my churchy people. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry watch this from the waters lifted me now safe am i can i tell you the chorus love lifted me love lifted me when nothing else could help it was love that lifted me and if you've been lifted today stand on your feet today come on beloved We're going to go, but I, I got to say this today because there are people who have no idea of the narrative of your life.
See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. People can actually fall in love with what they see, but not really know what you've been through. And you got to own part of it, too, because you've done such a good job of covering, pretending, masking the misery and covering the chaos that you, you had people thinking you were good. And they didn't know. They didn't know that when you get home, you cry yourself to sleep. They didn't know the torment you were going through. They had no idea how restless your spirit was. But here's the thing, beloved. You don't have to cover or mask when you know what God has done. And more than that, is doing right now. God is moving in, with, and through you right now. Which means what? This moment ain't the last one. This difficult season ain't the end of you. You are here. You are here. Can I give you this one for free and then we're going to pray? Chapter 4. This is for, the, this for the, the biblical scholars and preachers in the house. Chapter 4 before chapter 5. In chapter 4 at the end is a storm. But before the storm in chapter 4 of Mark, Jesus is talking about sowing seeds. And sometimes we think we know what good soil looks like. Jesus moves from talking about sowing on all di different forms of soil and, or ground. And we think we know what good soil is. And the next thing you see is a man with demons who is transformed and healed. Good soil. You wouldn't have called them good soil when you saw them howling in the tombs. You would have said this was a good place to make an investment if you'd have seen who he was. But that's why God moves in these ways. Meets us in our misery and finds value in our mess with us. And that's why we survive these moments. You are good soil. Don't let nobody fool you. No matter how messy you may feel, good soil. Because what God can do with you. This man, and one time I preached this, this man went from being a maniac to a missionary. In a matter of moments, being despised to being a disciple. In a matter of moments. So if you're here today, I just need you to lay, listen. If you're here today, and you're in that tormenting season. Just raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. You're in that tormenting season. Yeah, here's the word. It's not that help is on the way. It has already arrived. Now you will simply, watch this. Here's the hardest thing to do. To move with the rhythms of your healing. Because you've been moving with the rhythm of your discord for so long. Now you have to learn to attune yourself to a new beat. The beat of your breakthrough. The harmony of your healing. That is it. So that's you today. Raise your hands again. You see. Now here's what I want somebody. Somebody who's next to somebody hand up. Just, just put your arm around them. Just put your arm around them. So they know they're not alone. All right. They know they're not alone. Just put your arm around. Just... Let's go to God in prayer. God, we thank you today.
for this reminder, oh God. One, that the things we go through that seem to have us bound do have an expiration date. And for some of us today, oh God, we announce that all that stuff ends today. So God, thank you for the, for the ending of these seasons, the ending of these painful episodes. And here's a deep thing, oh God, even if the ending is on the way, our actions will suggest it has already arrived. We will lean into spaces of healing and lean into spaces of well-being and lean into spaces, oh God, that show us love. And then, oh God, we will leave here today. Even those of us who at times feel shy and are not willing to really share, God, we will leave here today with new voice. New voices, oh God, that are ready to share what you've done. Doesn't have to be eloquent or illustrious, but just the capacity to tell somebody that God healed me. God restored me. God delivered me. God walks with me. God talks with me. God is with me. And every now and again, being able to tell people your experience lets them know there's possibility for them. So God, thank you for helping us see ourselves in this season and in this moment. God, we love you. We thank you. And oh God, as they used to say in the old church, we can now run on and see what the end will be. Thank you, oh God. Thank you, oh God. This is our prayer. In your name we pray. And we say amen. 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 Come on, put your hands together. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to seeing you.